The Specialty Equipment Market Association, known as SEMA, is a worldwide phenomenon. Through all of its high-tailed growth, one man and his dynamic team is responsible for the greatest show in cars to date. Meet Tom Gattuso, VP of SEMA Events, who's been planning and handling this event for the last 12 years. This master party planner has only you and your happiness in mind. He touches on the pulse of the show, what to do, and how to make the most of your experience. We continue the discussion around the legislative front line and what it could mean for restorers and powder coaters alike. I hope you'll join me for a listen today and then join us live at SEMA. Who's in to meet us there in Las Vegas in early November? Get ready to level up your powder coater game. Welcome to the Roscoat Powder Coater Podcast. I'm your co-host, Kim Scott, where we interview influencers and talk about trending topics so you can grow your powder coating biz. I'm really super stoked with today's guest. We have the Vice President of Events for SEMA, and his name is Tom Gattuso. Welcome, Tom. Thank you. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So you are basically in charge of all the events, which includes this year's upcoming SEMA show. I have never been. So if I've never been, how would you describe the show? Oh, that's such a good question. It seems like it's huge. Yeah. (laughs) Overwhelming. It's it's so many things to so many people. And it really, for me, it, it embraces the automotive culture that, that happens all around the world. And really, as soon as you step onto the grounds, we've got vehicles that are drifting and we've got cars on display and exhibitors and things happening. And literally all your senses get hit. You can hear it and smell it and taste it and see it. And it's this incredible combination of all facets of the industry. And you get to see, you get to see it all come together. And really what I'd say is like the ultimate automotive industry homecoming where it's all about networking. It's centered around connections. It's centered around innovation and trends. And, and it, it just ends up being a lot of fun because our industry is so passionate about what they do. And it's just so cool to be around. It sounds like a fun place to be, even from a small town girl like me. Yeah. We're actually, the podcast is actually going to be coming to SEMA. We are sharing the booth with Benko Sales as one of our sponsors. And I was just trying to look before you got on today about where they'll be. And they, I think they're in one of the, we'll get to later on on the floor plan and stuff. Cause it just looking at the whole floor plan just looks huge. There's so much to see. I don't think you could do it all. You'd have to keep coming back just to see it all, right? It's got a couple different days and it's over, I think it's November 2nd through the 4th. No, so this year goes the 1st to the 4th. Oh, 1st to the 4th. Okay. Four days, Tuesday through Friday. And I have to confide that even though the show is big, I think depending on the year, it's number one, two, or three in terms of shows in the United States, I see it in my head as very small. And I can describe it to you very small because it's broken into 12 sections that are in in basically four buildings. There's an outside area, so we'll call that the fifth building. But when you think about each of the sections and each of the buildings, if you're in the collision repair space or the hot rod space or refinishing like you are, there's an area that's almost custom built for you, where you can really make the most efficient use of your time. And then from there, you branch out. But I don't know how much time you're going to want to spend necessarily in mobile electronics, other than to maybe look at that as a business opportunity you'd grow into or something like that. When you think of the way we have it sectionalized, it makes it very efficient to be able to spend our average time spent at the show is about two to two and a half days makes it very efficient to have all the connections you need to make happen in those two and a half days and get the value out of the show from that respect. 
I think that's brilliant. Sometimes you can get overwhelmed so quickly when you go to big shows. It's nice that you do have it all sectioned off. I've been to conventions where it's just everything all in one room and people shut down. (laughs) (laughs) And I was looking after I got my press pass, I was looking at the places to stay and it was amazing how much was already booked up and it's still two months away. So it's just crazy how it's all happening. What does it take? How long does it take to plan this event? Does it take a whole year? Where? Oh yeah, we're we're working on two and three years ahead. Wow! At at the time, and I can paint a picture where in 2017, the convention center said they were going to build a brand new convention hall. It's called the West Hall, and last year we used it. We grew into it, but the caveat of that growth was they were going to renovate the rest of the existing building. So they came to us and said, in 2021, you're not going to have Central Hall, which is where our racing and our hot rod and performance sections are. In 22, you're not going to have South Hall, which is where our wheels and tires and our collision repair and tools is. So that caused me in 2017 to be looking ahead at 21 and 22. COVID happened And because the new West Hall had already been funded, built it, but the renovation hadn't been funded and hotel room nights were down. So the city couldn't get bonds and they delayed the construction and we were able to use Central Hall last year. So that was where working three, four years out really paid off because, and that was one of the funnest things I did was to take all my scenario plans on how we live without one of the first halls that we ever used, and there's a ton of seniority in there, was to crumple those up and throw them in the trash can. So now we're at a place where they're going to go a little bit slower with the renovation. It's still going to happen, but the halls for our show are still going to be able to be in use. And that's a big step for us because it allows us this opportunity to grow as the industry is growing coming out of COVID. So that was the stars aligning and really fortunate for us. Yeah, I know a a lot of the other powder coating shows, the more popular ones, and we're still a really small industry. We're only 12 billion small (laughs) in an $80 billion paint industry or something like that, 115 billion, whatever. Means especially like the European coating show was really, I think they... It got a little messed up for them. Even China got canceled at the last minute because that's when COVID over there was starting to pick up again. And yeah, it seemed, I think the one coding show, I don't, I'm not going to go to European coding show, but as an example, they had to cancel and in 2021. And because of that, and they always go to the same venue every year, everybody, it's just like clockwork and mm-hmm. they got they couldn't go back to it till 2025. So when they made the announcement that they had to cancel I think in 21 last minute they really couldn't book anything in that same hole again so they were just we just won't have it for two or three years if we can't have it here so it's crazy yeah it was how hard. It affected things <laughs> yeah it was amazing where can i thought one of the hardest things i'd ever do was canceling a show so if you can picture me i'm at the helm of the sema show <laughs> after a 10-year stint at sema and I'm the lucky person that's in charge of the event as we cancel it. Yeah. So that was really hard. But I will say producing the 21 show the next year was the hardest thing I've ever done because there was so much uncertainty and COVID was going through a variant change, which is always exciting. And we knew we could produce this safe event that would have tremendous value for the industry, but we were working against so much uncertainty and we were changing things because we needed to update our floor plan on a daily basis that it just was this project of passion where we were doing it for the industry, but we would come in here early in the morning and work until we were either too frustrated or too tired to keep going. (laughs) And then we'd come back the next morning and just do it over and over again. But what happened was a really good event in 2021 that is going to be even better this year because last year we created this this value and this fear of missing out where people right. went to it and said, wow, I didn't expect it would be this good. And some people reported having the best show they'd ever had right. and word got out. So this year we're capitalizing on that momentum just from a, an energy standpoint, knowing that there is going to be tremendous value and that the industry is going to benefit and really 
that's the win for us is I work for a trade association that produces a trade show. And in theory, that sounds boring, but we produce the one of the coolest trade shows on the planet. And would, it really energizes you for that. I know I was really, I was planning on coming last year. And then right when that happened, Hawaii's been lagging this whole time. I, Ross and I, my husband and I didn't even get COVID until June. Just got it. <laughs> <laughs> of course, shutting the whole state down doesn't help, but yeah, I'm grateful that I maybe hope might have gotten a lesser degree of COVID or something like that. But I think they were sh- had shut us down again. And it was because of the D variant coming up again. And yeah. that's when they shut us down, I think, again, where something was like, poo, don't go, don't go anywhere. Yeah. And it really was, it wasn't even, I was worried about getting sick or being in Las Vegas, get, getting next to people or whatever. It was just, it was the humbugness of coming back and having to go through quarantine and all that were, yeah. and uh, I just decided it just wasn't worth it for me at that point. I've been no. off island since. You want travel to be, you don't want travel to be, it's humbug enough. You don't really want to. Yeah. It's interesting too, because now there's like a whole new breed of travel that we're going through right now where you're not sure on a day-to-day basis if the flight crew is going to show up. And, oh, I know. And, yeah. And, and, plane schedules are tough. So those are some of the things we can't control that just happened. And same thing last year where getting into the country was hard from out of the country. And Mm -hmm. certainly for you to go off the islands is, was a trick because you had to get back in and there was quarantining. So we're looking forward to, to really being able to grow into our new building because essentially that's what happened during COVID. It expanded and we didn't quite fill it because the show was smaller than it had been pre-COVID because of international travel and participation. But we committed ourselves to using the new hall and establishing this footprint because we knew that there's a three-year cycle to acceptance. The first year it's new, people don't go to all the places. The second year they're used to it. And by the third year, everything's booming. So we made that decision in 2021. We said, okay, let's use everything so that by 23, when everything should be firing right, on all cylinders, yeah. we'll be cranking. And that's so far, it's according to plan. We're going to be 25% plus bigger this year than we were last year. Wow. And I'd expect the next year, we'll probably add another 20 or 25. All of that really just means that the industry is back and they're supporting themselves with this, with this event. And it'll be phenomenal. Yeah, I think people are... On one hand, they're really excited to to be out and doing things again, yeah. just anything. But also, do you find that they're being more selective about where they go? Or maybe that's why you're getting such an increase is, okay, I'm not going to go to this event and that event because it's not as big as SEMA. And I want to go to SEMA because like, I think that people are being more selective about where they go and when they go. Yeah. Into. They definitely are. And we noticed that there was that we all experienced or heard of the great resignation that happened during COVID. And the trade show industry discovered that when people left the workforce, new people came into those vacant positions, if you will. And those new people weren't used to consuming events the same way that the other people were. So they were expecting other things. And events have had to respond and go, okay. They want more entertainment. They want more value. They're, they're picking their shots, as you said, to decide whether or not to go. So they want to make sure it's worth it. Yeah. And we're seeing that and we're building our show with that purpose, really to, to expand on the value equation and really do more than just walk up and down aisles of a trade show, but entertain do networking, let them spot new products and new trends, but really evolve it into a whole new paradigm. And I think the trade show industry itself and the event industries, the events industry itself is going to head down that path for the next 10 years. And, and there may be fewer events, but the ones that are around are going to be multifaceted. Yeah. So are we going to, are we looking at people burning out in EVs? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> 
Sorry, yeah, I, mean, we, I had to say it. <laughs> no, we've got that. We, we definitely have the drifting at the show, yeah. but there are electric drift cars. So Are there? Really? So, okay. yeah, absolutely. I'm so on a hunt. I'm going to find you. We're going to go. <laughs> you have to show me. Yeah. Uh, my plan is just to do like live interviews as people pass through the booth. We have some followers and that listen to this show. And in case they come, they can come and meet my husband and I and mm-hmm. just sit down and chat for take a break. <laughs> yeah. And uh, sit down and chat with us for a little while. We'll try to make it a live event. At least that's what we're planning on doing. eh? But I'm very grateful that our sponsor, who's actually going to go to the show, Benko Sales, they're going to, they've set aside a little side little thing for me and get me a place to sit down and stuff. So I hope to, I don't want to, I want to be there, but I also want to see it too. So we might be going, we'll see where, how far we get. You're going to have to figure that out and you're going to, you're going to need to have a plan. But the one thing I'll tell you that you may not, I don't know how often you've been to Vegas, but you're in a humid environment right now. And Vegas is a very dry environment. And my expectation (laughs) is that you and Ross are going to talk until your voice is hoarse. So I would say when you hit the ground, stop at a CVS or a drugstore, get yourself a humidifier for where you're staying, your (laughs) hotel or whatever, because that will still really save you. It's true. He just went earlier this year. His parents live there. So he, yeah, it was amazing how fast everything just like dried up. He came back a little bit more wrinkly too. everything, but uh, I think it's great. I didn't know what to expect. And I think I got a better idea now and stuff. I hope we, it should go off without a hitch for us. Some of the other, let's talk about more about what, what you're doing. And I think this, is this a new thing, this education thing? Because I think that's the announcement is there's lots of na- announcements actually happening at a yeah. every day, but this is, uh, you're announcing that there is a, I guess there's about 50 to 70 educational classes while you're at SEMA. Yeah, so education is the backbone of of our industry. As a trade association, we have this obligation to to educate our members. And it's always been a part of the show. This year, we've got 70 free sessions. And it's everything from helping how you build your business to what channel partner business can be like and everything in between. In addition to that education, we've got some fantastic keynote opportunities. And Kevin Hart is going to be one of our keynote speakers who's going to be there with his muscle car crew. And Emmett Smith is just is now leading a NASCAR team. So he's going to speak. And we've got a new product breakfast where you can see all the winners of our new product showcase. So we've got this the keynote speakers, but we've also got this track that is produced by the Society of Collision Response repair specialists, SCRS, where they have their own education and it's adjacent to the collision repair and refinish hall so that it's, uh, again, compartmentalizing the show so it's convenient. And then there's tire education. So all told, we're running just about 100 education sessions between paid and non-paid. And it's there to show you new trends, help your business, help you in your personal growth and your career and everything in between. And it's really just the the mortar between the bricks that happens at the show. I think so. I actually attended something recently that I heard through a SEMA email, just everyday business, like how to talk to your boss or whatever. It was pretty, it was, she was a pretty top-notch speaker. Like she knew what she was talking about and stuff like that. So I expect you guys should have some pretty top-notch people just even in the, aside from the keynotes, you should have, I would expect some pretty high quality top talent. No, we, we definitely do. It's interesting because I, I get more and more involved with the curriculum and they dragged the trade show guy into a focus group. And we had it here at our SEMA headquarters and really got eight or 10 people in a room and said, what's important to you? What are some of the things that are important to the industry? And it wasn't just business growth. It was specific people that would do the business growth and no names, that type of thing, because really we can come up with great programming, but if the industry can recommend some of the content and who does it, it's going to resonate more. That's exactly what we did. And it was cool to be part of that and watch it come to fruition now on the show floor, because the education team has been working tirelessly to make yeah, it all happen. You have to follow and pursue people. It takes a while to set it all yeah. up. So I was yeah. shocked when I saw that many classes 
available. That's more than you could do and see the show too. And that I think is what builds on your success too, is there's so much to see. It's like going to Disneyland. You can't see it all, the whole complex. You cannot see it all in one day. So it drives you to want to come back year after year. And I think that's a really good plan is being able to build that. I like, I got to share my screen for a second because <laughs> I just love, I just love this floor plan. Hold on. I got to get out of it for, cause it's super cool. Cause I had emailed Benko and I'm like, where are you on this thing? And then I went to your, your floor plan and it's here. Let me share my screen here. And it, I was like, how am I going to see? Everything is so tiny. But then you <laughs> right. got this zoom in and zoom in thing. And you're describing yeah. some of these places. So it might be easier if we show. And I don't, can you see my screen? I guess I yeah, am sharing absolutely. my screen. Yeah. So I think I'm over here. Yeah, I'm but even, even more convenient because you're probably in the orange hall. But if you go up to the top where it says search by keyword. Okay. And just type in the name of that company. Oh, okay. You'll be taken to where they are on the floor plan. So that brought you into that. Oh, you're right. It's the lower South Hall. It is. Okay. Yeah. And I think if we zoom in here, so I'm going to, we're going to be next to Impact Wheels and yeah. these next door. We don't know yet, but also who else was nearby? I think it was, oh, Mopar. It's yeah. Mopar's there and stuff. So it's the wheel. It's what she said. It was the wheel entire. Yeah, so this is the wheel and tire section. You were in your wheel and wheel accessories, which is a perfect place for you, I would think. Yeah, yeah, um, I think so. But if you um, go to where it says South Hall Lower and click on that little arrow, but the down arrow, so over on the right. Okay. Keep going more to the right, that little arrow up above. Oh, here? Yeah, right oh, okay. there. And then you pick show locations, all venues. Click that top one, see what happens there. Yeah, so that takes you back up front. Then right. you can go hall by hall so, and see each of the show sections in there. This is pretty self-explanatory collision repair. What is in here? Let's just click on it. So again, that's going to be where SCRS will be. It's going to be where, and they'll have a collision oh, repair Free. stage. Yeah, everybody yep. goes there. Yeah. Yeah, Milwaukee Tools in there. Snap-on is another yeah. mainstay there. But one cool thing we're doing is our ADOS feature, which is going to be helping shops how they can calibrate a vehicle back to factory specifications for the advanced driver assist systems. Okay. So we're going to teach people how to be able to do that in their shop. Oh. And it's important because when people modify a car, like picture you put bigger wheels and tires on a car, it's going to change some of the geometry. Mm -hmm. And in order to be able to maintain the factory specifications with like your lane change departure or your bumper sensors or that type of thing, sometimes you need to recalibrate the car. So we're going to be teaching the industry what they need to do and some of the suppliers that can help them be able to do that in their shop and what the footprint looks like and really how to do it. That's okay. great. I, think yeah. I read that somewhere too. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because I think you guys are putting out like all kinds of emails and stuff right now. Okay. So let's go to, let's go back to the venue. And then, so we've got restoration marketplace, hot rod alley and racing performance. So hot rod alley is just a display of hot rods and stuff or what do you know? So the whole, the whole show itself is really an array of parts manufacturers. So hot rod alley is the dark red right there. And that's a, a company like the roadster shop that, that, produces chassis for vehicles. Okay. These are all parts manufacturers, but specific to the hot rod okay. part of the industry. Yeah. Where if you go just above a little bit, that's more racing. So your Holly and Edelbrocks and, and those yeah. folks, yeah, they're going to be in that racing section. And this hall is, is a big hall. Where yeah. When I talk about the show being small, that hot rod section is a place that you can go. And if you're in that specific vertical niche, you can do that in a day. Yeah. It's all organized that way. Okay. And then back again, we have the central hall, which is, I, you said, I think keynotes are going to be there. No. So that one is central hall expansion. So the green okay. hall is our North hall and that's where we overflow because we'll fill the red hall. We'll overflow into the green and uh -huh. we'll also fill the blue and that overflows into the green. So you'll see like the blue one is the West Hall and we've got in the green hall, we've got that West Hall expansion, which is just how we've overgrown a little bit. But inside North Hall, the green hall is our mobile electronics, business services, companies that are looking for 
vendors that can help their business, everything from open signs to so that type of thing. It's really cool. The blue hall is trucks yeah. and power sports, but power then sports, also yeah. restyling and car care. So like window tints and air effect spoilers and that type of thing would be in that West Hall along with all the trucks. So where these educational classes and stuff that you're offering, where they be, each one will be in a different hall or how are you yeah, dividing so we, that up? We've got most of that. The education is in North Hall on okay. an upper level. So mm-hmm. there's a lobby area and then just upstairs, there's all these meeting rooms. So we've got those decked out with complete AV systems and seating. And that's where all the majority of the education will be. We've got some education that's back over where we were near where you were exhibiting. Yeah. And that's going to be in that sky bridge. There's some meeting rooms on that thing that says sky bridge. Uh, yeah. There'll probably be 20 or so sessions over there. And then we've got some other ones just sporadically scattered around based on content. So yeah. truck specific stuff will be over in the West Hall, but we don't have that much specific. So most of our education, if you're looking for an anchor, would be there in the North Hall, the green one. Yeah, I think just going having you go over all this really makes it clear how where how to your plan of attack, so to speak. Yeah. And really the best plan of attack from a buyer standpoint, if you're coming to the show and you're looking to meet a bunch of our exhibitors is, is visiting our new product showcase. And that's going to be at the east end of that orange hall, which is above the hall that you're in. But there will be probably 2,500 new products on display. And that is where a majority of our buyers are finding exhibitors. You can walk the show floor or you can go through this floor plan and find the companies that you want to talk with. But a lot of people will go to the new product showcase, look at those new products, and that's how they're finding exhibitors they're going to talk to that day. So that's another cool Yeah, another plan of attack. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Totally. Awesome. Okay. I like, I just, I love it when it's interactive. It just makes it so much easier, I think, for visual people. Okay, let's see. What else do I have? Okay, so this is the main page for SEMA show. You can pretty much, the way you have it laid out just makes it so simple and easy. You want to book a hotel or network or there's the education link there and stuff like that. Just the way you have it laid out makes it really super easy. And I think the way I was approaching this in coming to talk to you about it is we pay a hundred bucks a year to, okay, get some cheap tickets to SEMA, whatever. But until I knew about this educational thing. There's never enough information to to know about how to do your business and how to connect with others and stuff like that. So like it just, to me, I think to, to get a discount ticket and pay that hundred bucks, of course I'm coming from a powder coater. So I'm not a restorer. I'm not someone that's, we are in a restoration, but we're not into, we don't have our own car, like a personal person would want a, a regular attendee. But for mm-hmm. someone in the industry to have access to all those kinds of classes and education, it just makes it worth the while in terms of what you're paying for to have a membership is what I'm getting at. Yeah. Um, the other neat thing that can happen is that networking tab makes it sound like it's parties or whatever that you would go to. <laughs> But one of the things that that you can do is you can connect with SEMA through our councils and networks. Getting involved, if you've got the bandwidth for that, opens up a whole other door of connections and value for the event. Really, our whole thing is when you come to the show, you're talking with people the whole time. Mm-hmm. And the quality of person that you talk to yeah. is really important to us and mm-hmm. where you're going to get your value. And that's where we deliver. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point too. If I just saw the, it's funny because on the picture, there's Axel Nobel is there. Not that they'd be coming again, I don't know, but like it was a picture of one of a powder supplier right there. So you could reach out to them ahead of time or at least know that you're going to be talking to somebody, get that information, whatever, yeah. color charts and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I think it's great. Some of the other things I wanted, it's, there's the battle of the builders, right? You mm-hmm. guys started that in 2014. Of course, we that's did. where I think a lot of attention started getting visual attention when you start to use influencers and people mm-hmm. that are building these cars and how they become almost like celebrities in a sense. How has that helped you guys grow the SEMA show? And if so, how? So it definitely has because we created this because we wanted to be able to connect with 
the end user enthusiast on a, on a different level. So we did it through something that they would be interested in because, and it was balanced through all of our exhibitors where a car builder will put a combination of parts on a vehicle and not necessarily have, you can't have an affinity to just one company. So that kind of leveled the playing field in terms of, can we do this build contest, show our industry parts in practical use in a really cool way, put it on television and allow millions of people to be exposed to our industry. So that's how it started. And it created a consumer event that that we still do to this day called SEMA Ignited. So See, the first SEMA Ignited really was designed to be a backdrop for the finals of the Battle of the Builders. And now both of those things exist simultaneously and independent of each other. And what we have now evolved to is the Battle of the Builders has become some of the best builders in the industry and the highest quality cars that are out there. So there's that part of it. But then we opened up what we call a young guns category which is builders yes. that are 27 and under. And that came from an iconic builder, Chip Foose. He had that idea where he's, we got to give opportunities for the younger builders who are mm-hmm. just cutting their teeth and getting into it. So we've got this young guns competition. And early in the week, you'll see those cars. And those are where you really start to see the innovation. There, there were yeah. a couple cars last year. There was one girl who had built a car. She was so proud of it. And she was just explaining like, the obstacles that she had run into and how she worked around welding things together or whatever. And we had Ben Pack put a lift in the booth and you could see under the cards. And we told everybody that we were going to be looking at the underneath part as much as we were going to look at the above part. And the amount of build quality that goes into the bottom of a car that you would never, in your industry, you see it, but that people definitely would not know. And we've now shined a light on that literally. And it's really helped people get excited about the show we've produced. It's cool. I think it's a great way to expose people on new trends. You said it earlier, not just young guns, but I've always, I'm always on the lookout for the next trend for powder coating on Instagram and on Facebook. Mostly Instagram is where it's all happening and getting people inspired, but also knowing like the differences in the regions for here in Maui, you would think that it were actually like a lot of the guys just like black, just okay with black powder coat on their rims for the most part. Every now and then we'll get something fancy coming through here and it gives Ross a challenge and that, and that's where you want to market those kinds of exotic things. But I've just noticed even by region, what people are asking for and stuff like that. So that always intrigues me to the new trends in what's happening in powder coating and how it relates. I did see earlier, I think on Facebook, that they were trying to get together an all-female group to build. And I don't know, do you know if they ended up getting it together? Oh, yeah. So the car's being built, like any build, it's happening. But they were here at our SEMA garage a couple weeks ago building on that car. And it's going to be a Ford Bronco. Yeah, that, that was cool. Yeah. And it's the 10 year anniversary. So in 2014, we had an all female build and it was great. It was a Mustang and there were a ton of women that worked on it. And there's so much talent in the industry from that perspective. So it being the 10th year, we one of our councils and networks is the SEMA Business Women's Network. And, and they're the ones that have championed this. And they said, it's the 10 year anniversary. We want to do it. Yeah. Uh, and it's exciting because it brings it brings people together that are centered on this one goal. And it's intimidating building a car for the SEMA show because it is. there's a deadline. And if you right. don't meet the deadline, you just miss it. There's a lot of pressure. And it's funny because I've had a chance to, to talk to some of the women that are doing the build. And I'm like, are you sure it's going to get done? And they're like, oh yeah, it's going to get done. I'm like, <laughs> And people will come to the SEMA show and you're depending on when you move in, if you see our show on Monday at three o'clock in the afternoon, there is stuff everywhere. And a common thing is there's no way this gets put together by Tuesday at nine o'clock in the morning. There's (laughs) no way in the next, whatever, 18 hours that you're going to make this show open on time. And it's, I'll walk through there and I'll see it done. There's crates over there, but they have empty stickers. So I know they're going to get picked up. And I know when the carpet's going down, like I know all these things. So I literally visually see it completed 
as I'm walking around this chaos. So I'm always marveled at car builders. But I was asking two of the women that were building the cars, like, are you sure it's going to get done? They're like, oh, yeah. I'm like, because this is intimidating, like all these parts right. here and, and not knowing and you still have to paint all that stuff. I'm like, oh, no, it's going to get done here and here and here. And it's it's just comfort level. But that's what we get exposed to with this bill that shines a light on a group of women who are coming together with this common goal. But at the same time, it makes customizing a vehicle normal and <laughs> personalizing a vehicle normal. And that's really what is going to propel our industry. You can buy a set of wheels and take them the way they come off the rack, or you can powder coat a set of wheels and have them match perfectly to your vision. And you've personalized your car and it's the only one like it. Exactly. And I think that's kind of what keeps us going, keep, keep us going every day with the rims and stuff. Yeah. And it's amazing for us because it's like it, it never surprises we're always surprised by what right. they want powder coated or how they want it powder coated <laughs> we just recently did a lift kit a pro comp lift kit brand new i think a black with a gold flake clear coat and so simple and yet so stunning and mm-hmm. ross got really excited for the kid because he's a kid and you'd think that's something an old man would want, like an older (laughs) guy would want, old school guy, because he liked it. He wanted it. And so he was happy for him wanting something so old school. And we posted on Instagram and sure enough, we got another lead to do that same finish on something else, on some other automotive part or motorcycle or something like that. So yeah. um, it's exciting customizing. There's just something that it triggers the brain or inspires the brain to do that. And I think that keeping on that cutting edge for SEMA it, and keeping that important for everybody, not just seeing the same old boring stuff, always being helping those that want to innovate and do stuff. Yeah. And that encapsulates exactly what the SEMA show is from a, an idea basis, because what you just described was somebody had a vision, you guys brought it to life, you posted it on Instagram and it, it spurred someone else to react and evolve that yeah. idea. And the SEMA show is this gathering of the best in the industry and good ideas and bad ideas. There's plenty of bad ideas, but bad ideas spur good ideas. So what you have is all these concepts and ideas, and you can call them new products, new trends, but you have all these concepts and ideas that happen at the show and you walk through and you go, oh, that's a great thing that I can offer my customers. That's really going to help me build my business. Or you take a picture of a car at the show and post it on your channel. And somebody says, I've been trying to do that. I'd love to be able to, to do that. And it's it's this snowball effect. And when you look at the show and how it just outdoes itself every single year. And one of my good memories is every year, somebody will come up and go, that was the best SEMA show we've ever had. <laughs> it's, okay, cool. I don't know how we beat next year, but... <laughs> And then next year, oh, that was about, and even last year, people said, yeah, the crowds were down a little bit. The exhibitors were down, but it was my best show because the people that were there were serious. And there's always a reason if you go into it with the right mindset to have the best show you've ever had. And that's exciting. If you come with a plan and you're trying to make the most of it and be proactive with searching out what's going to help your business, you're going to find stuff and it's going to benefit you and you're never going to forget it. Yeah. It's going to gravitate to you for sure. Cause you're always going to want to be the guy that does this or the guy that does that and stuff. Some of the other things that are happening in the industry too, and we can talk broadly about this is there's a lot of legislative changes going on that I'm not sure our audience is aware of. I'm trying to bring it up. I'm reading these articles in SEMA magazine and it's important for What I want to talk about is Paul to get more involved in your industry to protect it, right, from legislation or negative legislation and also and how it's going to, there's a lot of changes also in the industry that powers that be, I don't know, whoever the Mm -hmm. boogeyman wants to change. (laughs) On one hand, for powder coaters, we have an incredible product that doesn't require acetones and 
icky chemicals and nasty stuff that hurts employees, good and safe for people. It's VOC free. You can have it in public spaces and people are okay. And that's a good thing for the industry. On the other hand, if you do restoration, there's some other obstacles there. Some of this legislation that they're trying to change is based around the economy or based around circular economy or whatever. How would you, let's just talk about that. Like, what do you see happening? I know SEMA is obviously very involved. There's a whole, you guys have a whole law side to it that you guys are and helping to move forward. But like, I was just reading I guess there's an email that we got the other that I got the other day about how there's a sponsored ballot in Florida. I think it's called the RPM Act. Not that we but basically you want to vote for these people because they're supporting that act or whatever. Yeah. So the RPM Act really is this this effort to nail down an interpretation of some language from the EPA. And If you read some of that language literally, it can mean that a modified vehicle would be illegal to be on the road. And there are stock vehicles that may be modified and go and race in SCCA parking lot type events. And those would be deemed illegal to go on the road. So where we're coming from with this is we want to be able to protect the racing industry and protect the race car by just finalizing the interpretation of the language. Because no one will argue that a NASCAR that can go 200 plus miles an hour has no business being on the freeway. But at the same time, if somebody puts a modification to their vehicle as simple as suspension or wheels and tires, that that doesn't deem that car not fit for road use. So we're at this place now where as we're going through the evolution of our industry, we want to be able to have a voice for when things like this came up. And and we want to be able to allow people to still have the ability to take a car and modify it and put it on a racetrack. We want people to be able to still personalize their vehicles with whatever engine components or wheels and tires and suspension. And we're getting groups of people amassed to be able to have a voice as situations like this come up. And it's not just the the race vehicle or the right to modify, but it can go into the realm of what I'm going to call way to power your vehicle. Right now, there's internal combustion engines, there's diesel engines, there's hydrogen engines, there's electric vehicle or electric engines. And all of these things are in existence right now. If you do the math and you look at, and we'll pick the island of Maui as an example, there are X number of vehicles right now in all the roads currently. And if somebody were to snap their fingers and say, okay, tomorrow, all these cars have to be electric. There's, it would, it can't happen overnight. It can't happen in a matter of years. So what has to happen is somebody needs to represent the math, if you will, and say, okay, we get it. There's this push for cleaner vehicles, but at the same time, we can't ignore things like hydrogen vehicles or that literally shoot water out of the exhaust or highly efficient internal combustion engine vehicles that are modified and coming more clean than cars out of the factory. These types of things is what our industry and our hobby, if you will, is all about, where you're just making cars perform better. And a lot of times when a car performs better, it is more environmentally friendly than when it started. So those are the types of things where we just need to have that voice represented. And we've made this opportunity available where your company is a business member of SEMA. But now we've opened up a new membership category that's open to anybody, an enthusiast. So now we've got this group of people that is the voice and they're saying, I want my hobby protected. And we've gone to to the Capitol and we've met with people from both sides of the aisle and we have tremendous support for what this RPM Act can be. So now it's just this activation of some of those voices and finding the right opportunity to have this adjudicated and finalized. And it's going to happen soon. And we've got, like I said, great support 
from from both sides of the aisle. And and it all just revolves around what is good sense, what makes the most sense from not only a business standpoint, but a hobby standpoint and a job standpoint and, and everything in between. So it's exciting to work for a trade association and just do the trade show and then have all these other cool things that they do uh, pay dividends because we work together and the support we get from people that are at the trade show is what's helping fund our legislative and regulatory uh, departments. And now that we've opened up this new realm of membership to enthusiasts, it really has given us a whole breath of fresh air where we're getting close to our new members. We know what they want. We want to represent them in D.C. I think it's important. I'm Like I said, I'm watching it and I can just look at Hawaii as what they did to the raceway. And we had we had everything here. When I moved mm-hmm. here in the seventies as a kid, we had all, we had it on all islands, Kauai, we had everybody, everybody had a different level of what they were doing. Most of it was just like beat up old cars in the mud, racing around a mud track. And on Maui, it's still like that, we, but we do have a, a racetrack too, but on Oahu, they totally gutted that industry. It was really sad. And I think what they ended up doing is they, they pretty much shuttered the race rate there because it was just, it needed to be redone or it was safe or something like that. And they just shuttered it and said, oh, we'll rebuild it down the line or whatever. And it never happened. And it's been down for years now. And unfortunately, what ended up happening was from that, people didn't shop for customizing. And so just a handful of cars. And one of the largest ones at the time ended up closing its doors really sadly a year or two ago. It can happen. And on top of that, They also legislated lifted trucks on Oahu or any modification on trucks needed to go through a separate safety inspection, separate registration. They made it so much red tape just to get a lift, just to get a customized truck. It wasn't even worth it to a lot of people that were maybe even thinking about doing it. Fortunately on Maui, we're still doing okay. They've got one rule where they you can't have your tires outside of the limits of the truck body and stuff. And you can see people messing around with that one a little bit, <laughs> taking their chances on that one. But you, I think here in Maui, we're so rural that it's like, don't, we still have people riding in the back of trucks just to go to school or go to work or whatever. So you can't go to the beach even, you can't. And they were going to do, I had to laugh because we have a new police commissioner from Las Vegas of all places. <laughs> Because we had so much corruption in Maui that the other guy retired because he was under the gun. And so he just started. And then they, about a month or two ago, at the beginning of summer, they decided they were going to do random, like they were going to do an outpost or have some kind of amnesty thing, like where you could go and see if your truck was inside, your truck tires were inside or outside the limit. And they ended up canceling it because it was, I mean, they must've gotten so much flack from that because- Nobody wants to hear that. They don't want to hear that they have, you want me to go take my illegal truck out there. Tell me what I did wrong to it. I know what I did wrong to it. I mean, it was right. just, it didn't even make sense, but I'm glad just, it didn't go through. But it's interesting because from my vantage point, we see registrations come in from all over the world. And I've always been fascinated with the amount of registrations we get from Hawaii. And I think it's because the car culture there is just so ingrained and to a certain extent on some parts of the islands, it's necessary. Like you you need to have bigger wheels and tires or a lift kit because oh, we have the worst it's yeah. the worst roads in the world. <laughs> Keeps documented. us busy, but yeah. yeah. It's documented. Yeah. So that's the type of thing that, that we're keyed in on. We know the hobby is strong and we yeah. know that people are into it, but they don't have a voice. And we've created this opportunity for them to be able to have a voice and be part of something that's much, much bigger. Yeah. And we're not doing any crazy. You're taking a thing where you're saying, okay, we've got the we've got bad roads where we're from. We make these modifications. It's at the end of the day, safer and better. And that needs to be represented because it's a very rational and reasonable argument in modifying a car. At the same time, we've keyed in on what that does to the geometry of a vehicle. And if we can really solve the ADOS equation, where if you change your bumper height, 
can you recalibrate that so that your safety systems stay in place? That's the huge win because then you get the best of both worlds where you've modified a car, you've personalized a car, and you've maintained the safety that it was designed to have. That's the voice that we want to represent in the conversation we want to have because it's not an argument as much as it is a conversation. And it's amazing how many people feel that way, but they just don't know how to activate it. And that would be what I'd say is that learning a little bit more about the SEMA individual membership, or on the racing side, we have this PRI individual membership, learning more about those would give you this voice and and make you feel part of the automotive community that yeah. you're already involved in. If you know how much these guys spend on their cars, do you yeah. think they're going to treat it like better than their girlfriends? Yeah. They're not going to get into an accident with it. They're going to drive within reason. If they're driving, if it's a daily driver for them too, they're going to take good care of their cars. They're not going to want to trash it or hit somebody else or whatever, if anything. Yeah. It's usually the other people you have to worry about. But yeah. but yeah, it's been great talking to you. Thank you so much, Tom. I mean, oh, I think we really covered a lot here today. I'm really super pumped for this SEMA thing. I've been planning this since 2019. Like, it's going to happen. <laughs> it'll be worth it. If I can it'll, find a hotel room, it's going to happen. You, you'll find a hotel room. There's tons in the city, but whatever work you've put into it is going to be worth it. I've yet to have somebody that has come to the show and not been just wowed with what the industry does. And one of the cool parts of my job is I lead this team of really talented event producers, but we don't get to take credit for anything. Like the SEMA show is not me. It's not us. It's the industry reflecting upon itself. And literally we just build the environment for them to do that. But you're going to see the industry come together for this common week And you're just going to get motivated and just be so happy that there's other people that are just as excited about it as you are. That's what's fun about it. It's really fun. That's awesome. Okay. I'm going to share my screen one more time so we can bring up the page so that we know the floor plan here. So it's happening. Yep. It's going to be November 1st to 4th. Yep. November 1st through the 4th. We'll probably show up like, the day before, like the 31st or something like that, just because the travel, it just takes too much out of you. And it's going to be at the Las Vegas Convention Center, November 1st through the 4th. And there's going to be all kinds of different halls that we're going to be in the tire and wheel accessory, which is the yellow colored hall Mm -hmm. called South Hall Lower. So that's pretty much where we're going to be. And I think you, I think we went in and we're going to be with a red dot in it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right here. Yeah. Number 48091, Benco Sales. So I'll make sure to put an announcement out later on to just talk more about it. But yeah, thank you so much for coming on and just talking about what we're doing here. And I appreciate it. I've got a customer coming. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. So thanks so much, Tom. I'll be sure to share everything with you guys when I get it all produced. Have a great day. Sounds great. Thanks a lot. Aloha.